Welcome back to Geek Bites in lockdown. It's next episode. It's me, Rich, joined as always by Stu. Hello, I'm back. We're back. We're excited to be discussing this new film, well, newish film. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's good to be back, man. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And as mentioned, we're talking about film Code Eight by the Amel Cousins. Um, well, I think it was actually directed by um, Jeff Chan. Uh, but you know the driving forces were Stephen Amell of Arrowverse fame and uh, Robbie Amell also of Arrowverse fame, uh, and they're actually cousins. And there's a slight family resemblance. Um, Stephen Amell obviously being the lead in the Arrowverse, Robbie Amell being very, a very minor character. Um, we probably just got it through his family connections. Um, but yeah, it should be uh, good. It was actually uh, an indie film. I think they got funding for it on um, Indiegogo. So interesting to see how that worked out. Yeah, I mean, uh, Robbie Amell played um, the original Firestorm alongside the guy from Titanic, didn't he? So he yeah, was one half. Right. He was like <laughs> a Titanic, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, he's a proper actor, but you know, that's all we know, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought they were brothers. And I, when I sold the film to my partner, I said, oh, they're, bro-, you know, these are handsome brothers yeah. in it, whatever. So the, the fact that they're cousins, cousins kind of makes more sense now because of the fact that they don't look too similar. Although, to be fair, me and my brother don't look similar either. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it was. I mean, it's really interesting to see these guys away from the Arrowverse doing something different. I'm sure we'll unpack that as we go forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you can kind of see the family resemblance. Um, but yeah, fun fact: Stephen Amell actually spends most of his time in WWE these days. It seems he's a uh, WWE wrestler. So. Oh, really? Yeah, because yeah. I, I knew he did that alongside um, Arrow and that, and he's been wanting to do films around wrestling. And I think one of his next projects is to do wrestling, um, according to IMDb. Yeah. So, I mean, that isn't too hard to believe. Yeah, obviously he did a lot of... He probably got, got into it mostly through his stunt, stunt work on Arrow. Because, uh, yeah, some of, the, um, some of the fight scenes on Arrow were pretty uh, uh, physically... Uh, Acrobatic, I suppose, would be the best description. Yeah, um, vis- so, yeah visceral. Trans- transferable skills, for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, anyway, as usual, we could go for our um, our uh, one-sentence review. Do you want to kick us off? Yeah. Um, my name is Stephen Amell. After eight seasons as the lead in the CW's flagship superhero show, I've emerged with a new goal, to play a bad guy. To do this, I had to become someone else. I had to become something else. I had to become an executive producer, and I'm pretty damn good at it. <laughs> that should have been our cold open. <laughs> sure, I mean, we can rework it if you want. Um, <laughs> nah, we'll go, we'll go with it. <laughs> yeah. But I think that sums it up. I think it's kind of, he's got to a stage where he's sick of playing the good guy. He wants to play a bad guy. The only way he can do that is if he um, executive produces something. And yeah, yeah. he did, did a good job. Yeah, um, yeah. you know which we'll unpack soon uh, but yeah what did you think of my Stephen Amell voice um, it was it was okay uh, you didn't really try to put on the accent at all so <laughs> I did try and do the accent oh, um, I didn't notice <laughs> it's Canadian it sort of sounds like us um, yeah, I, yeah I suppose they're not too but he plays American in Arrow though doesn't he so. yeah but a Canadian comes through it's kind of a, just a, a pleasant sounding American that's more English how about that yeah yeah, hey. Central City meant not Central City. Where's Star City meant to be in the US anyway? Maybe maybe it's near the Canadian border, so it's okay. 
Well, yeah, they're all shot in Vancouver, isn't it? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, I mean, have you got your one-sentence review ready? Uh, I do. I, I thought this film was fun, familiar. It was fleetingly philosophical, but it was functionally forgettable. Oh, wow. Lots of Fs in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess. I kind of get where you're getting with the end about it being slightly forgettable. I think, you know, I couldn't really name when it, when it comes to the best scenes, I found it really hard to actually remember one. Cause I, I watched it further back than you did. Um, but yeah, the rest sounds appropriate as well. It, it was kind of an enjoyable romp while we were watching it, but it's not really going to live on in my memory for much longer than this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you've, you've had to refresh your memory a little bit. Yeah. It was, um, it was, like I say, I'm, it was an enjoyable watch, but yeah, I, th- I feel exactly the same. I feel like it was quite um quite a basic story in parts, but you know there there were really good bits in it that kind of made you think, oh okay, that's cool. Or it made you think a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think it's going to go down as a classic. No, it's not the next Blade Runner or something. It's it's kind of um, you know good kid gets corrupted, um, does a heist to save family member. You know, it's kind of a load of tropes that have already been seen before, but the fact that they've added superpowers is just a bit that makes it different. Um, yeah. yeah, and it worked quite well, I think. I mean, in terms of why I said it was familiar, I did feel like Stephen Amell was simply playing Oliver Queen for most of it. Um, you know, when he was obviously helping um, helping uh, Robbie Amell's character um, uh, basically uh, train up and use his powers. It, it just basically felt like I was watching him with, uh, with the rest of Team Arrow when he was... Uh, getting the best out of them and stuff um so i don't i don't know if he's in danger of being pigeonholed it's kind of like that sort of mentor type character from the later seasons of arrow um but yeah yeah the whole floating light bulbs and getting yeah. the guy to light them up and sort of you know you've got to work harder it's all in your mind blah blah blah. yeah it was kind of a badass mr miyogi um you know well, i don't know where mr miyogi comes from but just a badass dude um yeah, yeah it's yeah like you say it was kind of just Oliver Queen, but with superpowers. Um, and because uh, I mentioned that he wanted to play a bad guy, but in reality, it's more of an anti hero, which is what Arrow started off as, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's really a. Yeah, he's fairly neutral. I mean, he, he didn't he didn't go around mugging people or whatever. He just hit the big businesses and stuff, didn't he? Um, yeah. You know, some people would say that's more an anarchist than anything, but I don't know. He was. He more was of a, a Robin Hood a, type. A thug with a heart, I suppose. Type yeah. Thing. Yeah, heart of gold. And of course, it wasn't actually that clear for a while what his actual power was um, until he kind of just rocked it out um, in the middle of uh, the first kind of uh, action sequence. Yeah, because he was a telekinetic, wasn't it? He can move things with his mind. Yeah. I mean, I I was thinking about that because he didn't seem to be like a Code 5 or above telekinetic, did he? Because he he moved a few light bulbs and whatever, but he didn't really do anything particularly hardcore with it. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of, you know, he's got by by the will of his wits mm-hmm. rather than any particular mm-hmm. power. If he was like a level five or above telekinetic, he could have just ripped the vault door off or something, you know, going by that spectrum, perhaps. So he, yeah. he was probably like a middling two or three, and he had to survive with his wits rather than his powers. You know, the powers just happened to help him along. This is the impression I got, which is why he needed to surround himself with slightly better people in order to get where he needed to go. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's probably a bit more low-powered, isn't he? I mean, it seemed like um, Robbie Amell's character was um, more of a... Obviously, he, I think they mentioned quite a few times he was level five, which seemed to be very rare, the way the way it kind of got thrown yeah. about so often. Um, so it'd be interesting to see kind of like the breakdown of 
how often those those types of people come along is it kind of like a seventh son of the seventh son type thing like there's only been one or two in the whole universe or is it like the vast vast majority of level one and like half of them are level two half of that's level three i don't know the maths would be quite interesting to see on that i think i saw in some of the blurb for this that apparently four percent of the population have got powers all right um, so, so you can do that i mean if anyone was going to do the stats you could do the stats um, <laughs> if they want someone to figure it out for them you could volunteer yeah absolutely i would do listen if you're listening to this Stephen, i'm your man if you're listening to it if we're one of your podcasts of choice in your breaks from filming wwe <laughs> i mean if that um, if that was the case then that would be awesome and i'm sorry i missed out <laughs> yeah. meeting you at hero con once uh but we didn't get around to coming because it was an olympia that's a pain to get to yeah um, <laughs> no offense no no one no one likes going to olympia no yeah. one not even the Olympians. Um, <laughs> cool. Okay. Um, so I, I think our next thing was our overall thoughts, which is kind of we've kind of touched upon. Um, but I, you know, one thing I wanted to put is it seemed like a bit of a TV movie in places. I don't yeah. know if that's, it seemed like something that could have fit in the Arrowverse if it had a different bunch of people. Um, yeah. Know. I mean, it was in a way. We, although I can't really point to anything that as to that made it feel low. But like, I can't point to any dodgy effects or anything. But it did feel like quite low budget it kind of felt like almost felt like the sort of like an extended version of a um well of course it was an extended version of a short film it was based on they did a short film as kind of like a promo of it which i didn't watch but you can yeah. kind of feel like it was based on a short film and the sort of short film that people would have come up in within sixth form or something if you see what i mean that's not necessarily a bad thing it just kind of shows that it was hadn't had that much it was it didn't feel very polished if you see what i mean it um, seemed like the pilot for a TV show, and that's mm. what and that's what the ending felt like as well. Because you know you had all the players move around with their different roles and things, and um, you know like the, the uh, Asian cop, you, you found out about his daughter, but it wasn't really paid off. You know Stephen yeah. Amell becomes the new head of the crime syndicate or whatever. Uh, the other guy, I don't know what the other guy ended up doing. Um, Connor, uh, you know, wasn't paying that much attention. But it was all sort of the stage was set for the sequel or, or for the TV show to then start. You know, so this was just getting all the characters, introducing them and getting it ready. But yeah, it was kind of like just enough, you know, like, oh, we can do these visual effects. How can we, uh, you know, we've got our first copy of After Effects and what are we are going to do with it? Yeah. Uh, you know, which, yeah, and like you say, not to say it's a bad thing, but it, it wasn't sort of a Hollywood level film, which is probably why it was sponsored by Indiegogo and released on Netflix. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I say, none of this is... um necessarily a bad thing it's just like pointing it out it's um and it was it was an enjoyable watch yeah um, i that. mean if if it was kind of the aim or cousins first uh, attempt at producing stuff you know maybe we'll see more from them but yeah well no it was a good job and also if it was a pilot for a tv show i believe i'd actually watch it so yeah yeah you know that's you know that's the best case for a pilot really isn't it yeah because so, it's, it's a fun universe as well it's an interesting universe you know We'd, we'd all readily admit to, we'd both readily admit to um, enjoying that kind of whole idea of like superheroes in the w- real world type thing. Um, yeah, to be fair, it did seem like it could have taken place in the sort of a corner of the boys universe as well. Yeah, it's I was just of, thinking that actually. I was thinking it's similar to the boys. Yeah, it's like a, maybe this particular state has banned them or made it harder for people to do stuff with it. So out there is the seven and over in Lincoln City. It's kind of like no, you, you know, you guys are frowned upon. You're not allowed to trade. You're not allowed to do anything, um, and that you know that would be a nice counterpoint to the boys, really. It was interesting that you mentioned Lincoln City there, and I think part of the plot points was Lincoln City was the city of tomorrow that had been basically built by 
um, powered Tunnel. people. Yeah. In it. But having said that, it didn't look exactly like a very utopian, you know, you'd think if that had been the case, it would have been laid out really nicely planned, no slums, no dodgy parts of town, but it still just looked, it could have been just New York or Chicago or Gotham even or whatever. Um, I think that was the point because like isn't any city in America meant to be the city of tomorrow when it was first being built it's kind of like you know look at our brand new skyscrapers and look our, our powered people are building the skyscrapers you know <laughs> so it's kind of yeah, the, the way I saw it the powered people were actually a parallel for um, immigrant labour so you know like the Irish come over and they built oh, the skyscrapers yeah. and stuff like that and that's why they're all sitting outside a 7-Eleven waiting for work it's because it's kind of you know it's like the equivalent of the Mexicans now you know they're looking for um you know, opportunities to work when they're not allowed to anymore, even though the whole country's built on their backs. Um, yeah. You know, and that's the thing, the powered people were this immigrant labour force, which has now been dropped for automate, automation, which is basically a parallel with the real world. Yeah. And for our one, we've just got, um, for our cities of tomorrow, we've just got Milton Keynes and Welling Garden City and Basildon. Oh, Basildon, does that fall in that category? <laughs> yeah, I think it will. I think, I think it was certainly built post-war. Because they were, I mean, at one point they were planning to do more of them, weren't they? That was kind of one of the big uh, election pledges, but then that's never come off. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, you'll probably end up with a bunch of not in my backyard. Maybe. Yeah. Or this <laughs> we is green the next. We don't want the Milton, next Milton Keynes in our backyard. Thank you very much. Yeah, Can we you hate probably Yeah, but I mean, speaking of this city of tomorrow, we both got the impression it was the city of tomorrow, and I think I I really liked how the credits did the world building for that it kind of showed you know like in the tv show humans where you've kind of got like the robots evolving and how they ended up being the people that live in people's homes it's the same with this it kind of went yeah. from you know the 40s or the 30s and these powered people emerging them helping build the cities and then suddenly them going into decline and being banned and stuff like that so you know in that you know short sequence of you know the intro and the credits you kind of got the whole history of this world before it even starts um, yeah you know, and it was a much more believable world than, say, Bright or something like that, which kind of tried to do the same job, but went back to thousands of years ago, and God knows what, you know, didn't really need that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, but, you know, I, you know, like you were sort of in past... Actually, no, I'll, I'll wait for that. But um, what I did like is how Lincoln City felt like a real place. So it didn't feel like a fake city, like, you know, like in, when you're watching Arrow and whatever, that feels a bit fake, which had that sort of gritty realness to it. Um, yeah. You know, like they, they did the heists um, of the prison van, you know, the van of all the drugs or whatever, and the drone pilots just sort of been told to hold, hold, but he decides to go anyway. You know, it was kind of like that. The fact that people break the rules um, and, you know, just aren't just sticking yeah. to the norm, all that stuff seemed quite interesting. It's kind of like a deviation from. Yeah, it's true. What you'd you kind expect. of expect, yeah, you'd expect law and order in those ones to be completely by the book type thing, wouldn't you? Exactly. Um, it kind of makes you want to know more about that, about those drone operators and stuff if they've kind of got license to bend the rules a little bit more. Yeah, or whether he's going to be penalised. But then, to be fair, it, if it wasn't for him, then you know the, the actual culprits would have got away. Yeah. Um, yeah, but them drones were quite interesting as well. The robot soldiers. But then, if this, yeah, the guardians. Yeah. That's, oh yes, I was looking for the name of them. But yeah, if if one electric could take them out, they're a bit naff. But I suppose if a person like Connor's that rare. You know, they're going to stop the majority of powered people, aren't they? Yeah, that's what I, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking he must just be like over nine thousand power or something, or the equivalent equivalent thereof. Yeah. And, um, and uh, maybe they just they've not quite built up the shielding for that yet, or his 
power is almost like infinite. He's got extreme power. I mean, you got. It'd be interesting to know what exactly are these mutant powers? Are they kind of like elemental powers, more like Dragon Ball Z or whatever, or are they? I, I don't know. I suppose that's the sort of stuff we won't find out. But anyway, that'd be the kind of. I'm sure if we knew that, we could come up with some kind of theory as to why he's so powerful. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, well, like they could turn this into a comic book series quite easily, couldn't they? Because yeah. they've done all the, the legwork. Um, I was uh, first. Uh, it felt like I was watching a comic book adaptation to the point where I did actually look up to see if it was. Um, uh, obviously, I was going to look it up anyway to kind of find out about the background of it afterwards. But yeah, I, I kind of went look, looking it up, expecting to find it was based on a comic book series or whatever. But um, but yeah, it did very much feel that way. Yeah, I mean, I suppose he's been around that kind of uh, industry and that um, subject matter for so long. Yeah, you know, he probably knows it inside and out and how to shoot these things, how to plan them. And you know, okay, it wasn't in, behind the camera at all, but he probably had decisions involved in what they were shooting and where. Um, so how, how many different um, how many different uh, powers were there? There was um, there was um, obviously the kinetic and the electric. We saw the fire power, pyros. Uh, yeah. We saw mind reading. We saw healing. Um, Kind of sort of freezing at frozen as well because that was his his mum wasn't it? She there was obviously something going on there with it. I, I don't did we see an explanation of what exactly was wrong with her? Why she kept going ice cold and stuff? Or I think the doctors said that her cancer is affecting the thing that controls her powers, so that's why she kept kind of freezing herself or freezing right. random things. So. But yeah, but her powers were to do with ice and freezing or whatever. So I think Basically, that I think yeah. that's six different powers we saw. Yeah, uh, what was the um. Was it was it the woman in their gang that was the pyro? Yeah, it was. Oh no, there was also um the the uh, mute one who's was just he wasn't telekinetic, but he was just super strength. So that's seven. That's it. And then the guy that basically couldn't die until you stabbed him in the brain. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was yeah. like invulnerability. Yeah. That's it. So there was quite a few. Yeah. Um, yeah, and surprisingly, a lot of them work well in building sites. Which yeah. Is, yeah. So I suppose that's kind of. In terms of like opposite, you could say obviously invulnerability and super strength are kind of the opposites. Uh, fire and ice, obviously, and you got you could possibly at a pinch say electric and kinetic is opposite because you have got static electricity and stuff, and then healing and tele healing and mind reading. I don't know. Nah, oh, that was no. just thinking out loud. I don't know. I was kind of trying to come up with a pattern that doesn't exist. Never mind. Yeah, I don't think they put that much thought into it. They just thought, <laughs> this this power would work for the plot. Yeah, um, but it it was. It, it, I did, did you ever watch Misfits on Channel Four? No, I, I tried it once, but I just couldn't get into it. I know everyone yeah. loves it, but yeah, I, I really liked it. And I think this reminded me of that in the sense that in Misfits they all have a power and that's it. And mm. it's kind of you know I have you know I'm immortal or um you know I, I go invisible or I go thingy. And it's very simple and straightforward. Whereas you know with the you know like comic books these days you know everyone's got multiple different powers and they've also a ninja as well as being uh, immortal and so it's kind of i like the fact that this is quite binary it's kind of like you've got a power if you're not you've got one power and that's it you don't have yeah. all these other things going on um you know uh, misfits did mess it up eventually when they started sort of having this power broken it could swap people's powers around which is quite yeah. interesting um but yeah then it went really terrible well and then there was the whole there was the whole concept of uh, psych being this drug that was basically derived from a superpowered person's blood, wasn't it? Oh um, no, the spinal fluid. Spinal fluid, yeah. yeah. This is in the film, not in Misfits. Although that would, yeah. have, that would have made it much better. 
um but uh but yeah i mean that was interesting i mean it was kind of obviously a street drug i don't think it really defined exactly what it, i mean you obviously saw people just spaced out in it or whatever it didn't really go into detail about what exactly the sensation was or what the long-term health effects would be or you know how many how many uh people powered people get killed for their spinal fluid every year or whatever um but, but yeah because there was also bits i mean we'll probably talk less about this in the morality section but there's bits where um they're like well you know, these people put themselves forward to have it taken out because they couldn't get money from anywhere else. So are they victims or are they just willing participants in it? And you now then it's like, well, if society means that their only way of getting money is by giving their spinal fluid away, then they are victims. You know, it's kind of that sort of whole question was hanging over it as well. There was this bit where they, they were talking about psych and right at the beginning they were talking about like the milk run or whatever, I can't remember what it's called, where they were taking the psych off to be burnt in a special place. Well, I couldn't just do it at a police station, I don't know. Um, but, you know, as yeah. soon as that... As soon as that was mentioned, you kind of knew that that was going to be featured later on in the film. So it's kind of like, and they did a lot of this foreshadowing, but really badly. Like with the woman, uh, yeah. the, the healer woman, like uh, when he's asked her what she does, and then she coughed, and then two seconds later you see the other bloke cough. It's like, all oh, right, she heals people by taking off their illnesses, like the guy from um, uh, the Green Mile. It's kind of like, you know, yeah. it's, it's a bit not, not very obvious. It's, I mean, it's too obvious. I got that exact Green Mile vibe as well. Um, yeah. Which was, yeah. But yeah, 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 you're right. It was, I mean, to some degree, it was, it'd be hard to disguise that. And it was kind of nice that they kind of just showed it that way instead of necessarily being entirely explicit. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fine. It was fine, it was, I thought. It, I mean, yeah, I suppose it was, there was, there's only so many ways you could foreshadow it. I mean, that one wasn't the most subtle. Um, but yeah, how else would they have done it, really? Um, but yeah, it's I don't know. They could have kind of let it lie for a bit longer before they kind of did it. Because I think five five seconds later, she was being shot at because someone wanted to kill her to get to him, didn't they? So it was kind of like, oh right, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I don't want. Let's not worry about that. So I think should we move on to um kind of favourite scenes uh, slash characters? Uh, yeah. Shall I kick this one off? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so it was quite for my favourite scene. It was quite a small, kind of like a couple of scenes ongoing. It was quite a small um, element of it, but I quite liked—not liked, but I, f- I found it quite meaningful slash visually descriptive. The way that when his mum was struggling with her illness and stuff, what she actually did the whole time was just basically pour scalding boiling water on her hands because her hands were freezing, um, and I, that I just found that in a way quite. It's kind of like those ASMR things, how if you, you see find something visually appealing. I love washing my hands in really warm water when my hands are really cold. So for me, that was just like a personal thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I, don't know, I was struggling to kind of find a particular scene that I found as my favourite one as such. Um, but that was that was one of the ones that I kind of um, thought, okay, they you know they're really kind of trying to show, trying to work with you know the senses and how how make you figure out how this feels and stuff um so yeah i I like that and i I found i think i mentioned her illness earlier anyway but i found uh, like that an interesting one how what happens if these powers start to malfunction it was quite an interesting idea um yeah obviously i think like you said it was about the doctor said it was about the cancer affecting her powers which yeah does make sense because you know cancer does rewrite uh dna in a way which is what creates tumors i think um but uh so maybe if it was rewriting the DNA of her power cells, then that's what created 
the misfiring, turning her own her own hands frozen, turning her own body frozen, whatever. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of I, I liked the fact that it seemed to be a little bit scientifically grounded that element, um, and kind of explaining it, showing the disease in a way that everyone can understand. I think is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it wasn't just a power-related disease. It's kind of something that people can relate to that suddenly becomes, you know, twisted because of the fact it's a powered individual. And like you say, I mean, you know, that's just a woman that can make things cold. Um, you know, how, imagine what it's like for everyone else. You know, if the guy with his electric powers or whatever, um, yeah. how would it, what would it be like if someone like that suddenly went kablooey? Um, so this is something that is sort of, you know... In all the X-Men comics and films, they have this Senator Robert Kelly or whatever, I don't know if you remember, and it's basically talking about, you know, these people like living time bombs in our, you know, neighbourhoods and what would it be like if one of them, you know, something went wrong. You know, that's something that's not really touched on in any of these films or media or whatever. So it would have been quite interesting to see him do more about that, that maybe she did more than kill a pickle jar or whatever. So then it becomes, you know... It could have become like, well, actually, you know, she accidentally kills a patron or whatever. Then it's like, well, should he still save her because she's killed someone? Uh, I don't know. That might have been too far. Or maybe someone, maybe it could have been signs that he might have it as well. Or, I don't know. It's, you know, yeah. Anyway, it's, it, I, I can see why you like that scene. At the, um, you know, I didn't notice that she's pouring scalding hot water over her. Uh, I wasn't, obviously wasn't paying that much attention. Um, and I probably would have yeah. finished... I noticed it was steam. Well, it was certainly steaming when it was coming out of the tap. So, so yeah. Although maybe yeah. that was just it hitting the um, hitting the uh, the ice. Ice. Yeah. 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 But, Any yeah. favourite scenes from you? Um, I think there was two. One, like straight off the bat, was the bit where um, it shows them working at the house right at the start, like a bunch of like illegal workers, and uh, the police pull them up and be like, "Hold on a minute, any powered people here?" And then they get the whole um, drone over. And it kind of just goes to show, it, it really helps explain what this world is like and what these people have to live with. And also the, the abilities of the police, like what they can deal with and stuff like that. So like the fact that the drones were dropped and they managed to kill that guy running away, you know, next to nothing. It kind of showed what this guy was up against if he does get, you know, go off to straight and narrow. And so it kind of helps him, you know, it helps you understand as a what viewer, like, oh, right, he's breaking the law. Doesn't he know these drones are going to kill him? Um, it really helped show the power levels of things and what's, what what yeah. um, forces he was up against. Because you know uh, they were talking about the, the guardians, and you saw a few clips of them, and then you saw the drones flying around. But until that scene, you really didn't see him in action. Um, so I, I like that one. Um, the other bit I quite liked was when they were escaping from the bank. Um, so the bit in the um, alleyway where um, Garrett's like, you know, "Use your powers, Connor. Use your powers. Otherwise, we're all dead." Yeah, yeah. And then he suddenly, you know, oh, all the, the training montage led up to him just zapping the thing from the sky and taking it out, which, you know, yeah. harking back to that previous scene, seemed basically impossible and everyone was in fear of them. And the fact that he just managed to shoot one down. Uh, but even after all that, they still had to scuffle. Um, and what the, the bit I found really good, I actually said, oh, that's a good idea, is when they pulled under the bridge, the overpass, they peeled off the decals of the van and they drove off in a white van. Um, so the drone after that was kind of following, you know, looking for him, and they're like, "Oh, we've seen a panel van. No, it's the wrong colour." It's like, wow, <laughs> it's genius. I mean, I don't see why people don't do that for proper robberies. I mean, maybe they do. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it's almost it's almost more of a trope than well, it's, it's not a trope. It's like when you on Grand Theft Auto and you drive into a paint shop and suddenly the uh, the cops lose you. <laughs> yeah, 
it was basically that, but like in real time. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's so I think this felt like more of a heist movie than either of the Ant Man movies did. Uh, you know, probably because it was <laughs> more criminal or whatever. But I just like that yeah. that heist nature, and I think it was done really well. Um, the bit it kind of put, it kind of put me in mind of maybe one of the earlier Guy Ritchie movies, but a bit more sanitized and obviously with powers. Um, just where it, just where pretty much all the main characters were gangsters or cops. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There was a um, what's what's the um, robbery movie where the people that did the robbery were policemen? I think it's got Callum Farrell or someone in it, or um, Triple Nine. No, uh, not Triple Nine, is it? I don't know. Anyway, it Sorry. reminded me of that. That's very oh, similar. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, you mentioned you mentioned the cops as well. Did you notice they were kind of a bit cookie cat? I kind of even vendetta ones, sort of sitting in a little office yeah. trying to solve this thing. That was quite interesting. And their little long sleeve t shirts of drugs or police or narcotics written on the arms. I mean, that was just the cheapest costumes ever. Um, hey, that's that's the city of tomorrow, man. They don't spend money on their cops' outfits. <laughs> what until they nope. get accommodation and they dress up like real policemen? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. True, yeah just a bit weird um but yeah so they were my favorite scenes what i mean what's your take on those yeah i mean all good scenes i mean certainly the one where you mentioned about the escape from the bank that was arguably the the main action set piece of the whole the whole film um so yeah that was that was certainly cool um i liked i liked um the way they, they all used their different powers and you kind of it was kind of almost the, the only bit of characterization that kind of garrett's gang got yeah, before they're all butchered. Um, yeah, um, which does actually lead into my um, favourite character. Ah. Uh, the favourite character I, I liked. Well, I, I, I liked because I liked the way she used her powers and kind of maybe it's because she had the most uh, different possible uses for them. But it was Maddie the pyro? Um, I, I just liked the way that she was able to use the. the it wasn't just about exploding like firestorm style. Um, it was more just about using it, applying heat to uh, various different objects, almost using her hand as a, as a blowtorch in one scene and then just melting another bit in another scene. Um, I just thought that was the most interesting use of the powers I, we saw in the film. Um, I quite like the actor as well, Leila de Oliveira, uh, most recently seen on our screens in Lock and Key um, in Netflix. You know, I'd never miss a chance to mention that show slash book series. Um, yeah, that was cool, even though she didn't say hardly anything during the film. Um, I uh, yeah, I like I just like the way she got a bit more imaginative use of her powers. And yeah, obviously it was pretty gutting when uh, when she and um, also the other uh, member of the gang, I forget his name, the uh, super strength, super strong mute guy, uh, died. Uh, you know, it was big, obviously a big uh, betrayal central to the plot. Um, but yeah, I, I felt like I, you've kind of touched on it the way you pointed out that a lot of the rest of them were quite cookie cutter. Um, Garrett was just too much like Oliver Queen. Can't really say he's my favourite character. Um, and uh, Connor was just a bit too every man. Um, yeah, I think just purely in terms of who I found most interesting to watch use their powers on screen i thought yeah that was go with that yeah i mean i struggled finding a favorite character because they were so <laughs> thinly developed um yeah yeah <laughs> i mean some of my worst characters um was the healing woman because you know i think she wasn't very well developed 
uh, and yeah, it was just kind of, I don't know, just, I mean, Garrett, no, what's his name? Connor wasn't very good either. Like, I don't know, none of them were very good. I really didn't like the gangster bloke, um, the main villain of the piece. Yeah. It was so obvious he was going to betray everyone. It just makes me wonder why Garrett wanted to partner up with him. It's kind of like, surely you know that this guy is A, pretty useless, and B, just betrays everyone. So why do you why are you desperate to become his partner or his bestie or whatever, you know, and help yeah, him that's out? Yeah, the thing. He, he was going to be the big bad because there was no other kind of named characters who could possibly become the the counterpoint or the, the villain as such. But that's, um, yeah, because they, they were implying that there's this bigger... Pa- they were implying that there was this bigger force that was behind it all, that was the ones putting the twist on them. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, there was no real, you know... You never saw them, so you can't... And you can't you can't just introduce a new character right at the end as a new big baddie. That's why we got resurrected Emperor Palpatine. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, we have to reference Star Wars. Um, but, <laughs> but, yeah, but my thinking is maybe Garrett had to convince himself they're meant to be partners to, to avoid getting killed for having doubts. So by him being, you know, I want to be your partner, I want to be your equal, blah, blah, blah. It's basically saying, you know, I respect you, I believe in what you're saying and, you know, what you're doing, whatever. But in reality, in the back of his mind, the bit that can't be read, he's thinking, I hate this guy, I want to kill him. You know, it's kind of, you know, maybe something like that could be going on. Um, yeah. But yeah, because I can't pick anyone else, Garrett's my favourite character because I like Aimer. Um So <laughs> I, just, I just found it interesting to see him play someone with powers. Um, so that was kind of different compared to what we used to. You know, usually he's, he's quite visceral, punching and kicking everyone. In this, we see him waving his hands around of some CGI. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. In, in Arrow, his superpower is having loads of money, which is a very valid superpower. And it's also Bruce Wayne's superpower. But yeah. And also being a badass fighter person. Yeah, yeah that's true. And almost yeah. WWE quality. Um, yeah, yeah. That's so. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it's really hard to find favourite characters, so I'm not even going to bother. I like just liked the fact that Ammo was in it, and I think if he wasn't in it, I might not have persevered. Um, <laughs> and that's Stephen Ammo. Robbie Ammo's acting was good. I think his character just wasn't was harder to get behind than I'd have expected. Uh, mm. And I suppose that moves us into the moral, morality, and philosophy part of our podcast, which you know Absolutely. usually you're usually good at. So I'll put my bits in first, and then you can basically preach. Um, okay. I felt that everything that Connor did felt justified until he forced a healer to help his mum. Because I think, you know, robbing the man to help your family is fine. You know, breaking the law because the law is unjust, that's fine. You know, but as soon as you start forcing someone to hurt themselves in order to benefit yourself and also your mum, that kind of, you know, that's just pushing it. And also the fact that his mum didn't want help like that anyway, it just kind of went to show that he was kind of just you know, breaking the line into being unreasonable. Yeah, I yeah, hundred percent agree. I mean, that's uh, this this whole the whole moral morality of this uh, film kind of does boil down into that last scene. I mean, the rest of the time they're kind of hitting, they you know they're stealing money from the man or whatever uh, who's kept them on the down low. You know, that's not really most films would have you sided with them on that side, or it's just gangsters fighting gangsters, which you know no one really cares about. You know, the, it really just boils down to that final bit where he, you're right, he does um, try to make her, you know, he, he figures out that, you know, long after we did, that she um she takes on the pain or whatever, eight, uh, Green Mile style, 
Um, I nearly said Eight Mile Star there. That's a very different film. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> and um, yeah, that's the point where it obviously comes down to. You know, Kantian ethics being the um, cornerstone of Western morality, basically, and the second rule of that being um, you don't treat humans as a means to an end. I think that's that's just what felt so out of character for this. For it, for any kind of lead character to be not do anything ridiculously uh, immoral through the film and then just to basically break one of the golden rules of western civilization almost it just seemed just completely i was thinking what on earth is going on here surely they're not actually going to go down this road this is just completely non-believable um and then the fact that he kind of only just found out that she obviously hurts herself to um do that and then he dragged her along to the hospital anyway um just kind of made it even more bizarre um i did wonder when he kind of stopped her halfway through what i, I did think what so hold on does that mean that that his mum's half got cancer now and she's got the other half or what did she basically send it back into his mum or something the science of that didn't quite work um which was a little bit disappointing but at the same time you kind of thought okay fine they've rewound on that whole it's almost like a dream sequence almost they the way they rewound it back to say no it's fine it's okay um he's not a bad guy after all yeah yeah i mean i like the way you frame that because i was yeah i knew that there was something wrong with it but i didn't didn't know how to articulate it so the fact that you've just said he's broken the one the major rule in western ethics kind of makes all right that makes sense because you know all the way throughout they were like you know when we robbed the van we're not going to kill the guards you know that's bad you know and when they do kill the guards you see his disgust and frustration at what they've just done and he's like you know yeah and that's what p- motivates them to go back and kill them guys anyway, you know, because of the fact that they they broke the rules and betrayed them. And it's kind of like, you know, so someone that's like that. And also when he's when he first meets the girl, he was kind of like, you know, what do you do here? And then the next time he meets her, he's just like, are you OK? You know, he shows concern and he's caring and a bit curious about her. So he's gone from that sort of caring and concerned and worried person to go save my mum. Don't care. You know, if it was, of, you know, if he, she hadn't revealed it. And then she started doing it. But then you could see her suffering, what the mum was suffering. And then he twigged halfway. Fair enough. You know, yeah, you, you could be like, yeah. But the fact, uh, maybe they had to do that because in test screenings, people are like, oh, what's that? Mean? Why is he doing that then? You know, maybe they had to sort of kind of do a little reveal. Oh, I've taken your cut away. Look. Um, but yes, it's, and that's why I felt that that character, I didn't really like the healer character in the sense that why doesn't she just say, I can't help you, mum, because if I do, I'll get what she's got. You know, oh right, okay, great. Let's have a conversation. Maybe it was because she was too drugged up. But it's just just a bit daft, really. But no, he did, he did know because she showed the cut on her arm when she healed him, didn't she? Yeah. So he did. She did say that. Yeah, but, but you, no, but you know, like right <clears throat> when he's like, I want to heal her to fix my mum. Or she could have when he's like, Are you okay? She could she, rather than saying, Oh, you just people just want something from me. She could just say, Well, I can't save you, mum. Because I'll just get what she gets. And they'll be like, all right, then, that makes sense. I'll ask for something else. Or I'll ask for money, then I can pay for the medical bills. It's just like, you know, it's so frustrating when characters just don't have a conversation to move things along rather than waiting for these big moments. And like you say, what happened? Is she half ill and half not? It kind of just a bit of a cop-out at the end. Um, You know, it means that all of her sacrifice in sucking some of it out was meaningless because the mum dies anyway. Um, So she might have made herself ill. And that's why it, it's interesting that when he drops off at the end, it's a very sort of frayed departure, isn't it? It's not like, you know, sometimes there's a bit of sweet film. I'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, nice to know you. Thanks for letting me not die. You know, this one's just like, bye. Off. 
I don't yeah, think even yeah, Tempest just got a time left. Uh, it, it, was, yeah, it was probably fed up that she couldn't. It's her psych supply had been cut off. <laughs> yeah, there is that. Um, yeah. I don't know. It was she was kind of just a generic junkie, though, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. You know, oh, I'm being held against my will because my dad is in prison, which we found out at the end. I mean, you knew something like that was going on, but yeah, it's kind of not very. De- she was kind of a trope, wasn't she? She wasn't a particularly well developed character. Yeah, I think it's also worth pointing out as well that um his mum, you know, what we saw of his mum, she was obviously a very moral person herself. You know, she was saying, oh, don't go down the same route your dad did, whatever. And, you know, she obviously disapproved of certain courses of action. And there's yeah. no way she would, have been, she would have been on board with that. Um, And, you know, it's a pretty basic principle as well that... You, you, shall it's not kill. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's very rare. This is more in media it's very rare in media that you will see an old person demanding a young person sacrifice themselves for the older person it's very much the other way around in media and you know maybe that's a print this it's not a codified principle in philosophy in any way i mean there's the there's the saying that you know a, a parent should never have to bury their child um stuff like that you know it's it's bit again it's built into our culture that generally speaking older people would would uh not expect that from young people that kind of element of self-sacrifice um so yeah it, it, just another another angle that it didn't really make any sense yeah i mean her not wanting him to rob banks and stuff or, or you know do under underhanded things like that was you know that was bad enough to her let alone sacrificing a young woman's life to save her so exactly <laughs> yeah so his character just went a bit off piece there and it made it hard to believe in him well afterwards really um but yeah, but then that sets, that's where we go back to the fact it seems like it sets up a sequel in the sense that how does he deal with the fact he, he kind of, you know, balanced on the dark side and he didn't go that far, but maybe he could, it's in him and all that stuff. You know, there's lots that could be unpacked in the future. And I think I read on um, IMDb or Wikipedia, they're thinking of doing like a Ghibli series, you know, this sort of um, for mobile short form video thing. Um, so they're, they're planning to do like a follow up series on there. Um, oh, okay, cool. Yes, yeah, so that'd be quite interesting. I don't what a Ghibli series. I've not heard that term before. I'm thinking Studio Ghibli, which is like anime in Japan. But what's what's a Ghibli series? Ghibli. I think it's something like Ghibli or Ghibli. Um, <laughs> I don't. I can't remember. I'll, I'll have a look. Oh, in my oh, oh, a web series. A web series. But yeah, but it's, it's a web series. A it's a short form series, but it's specifically designed for mobile. So I think a lot of it uh, is. Oh. Yeah, a lot of it is um, portrait orientation and stuff like that and it's quib- oh yeah we do yeah i've heard of that yeah quibby that's what it's called quibby quibby okay yeah <laughs> yeah um so it's like got lots of um sort of la and san francisco money behind it and stuff like that it's one of these sort of things that people are throwing money at um so yeah it could be quite interesting to see how this story evolves i mean would you want to see a sequel or anything <sighs> yeah i mean i'm not sure i'd want to see a sequel in the same format i don't think a a sequel feature film would be good but yeah I, th- I think i'd be more interested in seeing like a tv series and like you say like you said earlier it's kind of got a similar vibe to the boys which worked as a series rather than a film um yeah and i think it's it's the sort of thing that could could get better as it goes on you know some some tv series do do that um so yeah, I'd, if that does happen, I'd, probably, I'd certainly give it a go. Particularly if it was intended to be, you know, if it was a new format to watch it on, watch it on, um, on your phone or whatever. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting. 
so yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in giving it a go for sure. Cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So likewise, I wouldn't mind trying it on the phone, you know, like a, on a TV show format. But I don't think it's worth another film. Yeah. 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 So we had a, a discussion point about the Arrowverse at the end. I mean, is it worth us covering the Arrowverse, or should we? Uh, you know, it's well. To be fair, do we want to discuss the Arrowverse anymore now that Arrow's finished and the other shows? <laughs> quality is slowly and surely, but you know gone down the pan i don't think i've even watched flash since uh, crisis happened i mean I, yeah I think... I mean, flash is the only one i'm still watching i mean i gave up on supergirl and um legends of tomorrow a while yeah. ago um I, I was still watching arrow you know it was the main one um and yeah we were talking about this last night as well weren't we you know bat batwoman was meant to be the next kind of flag carrier if you like the gritty replacement for arrow but um yeah. uh ruby rose that's it yeah, Ruby Rose, she's she's just quit. Whether she's whether she's leaving a sinking ship or whether she's got what she needs from the show, I, I, I don't know. Um, or whether she whether they thought she was no good. I mean, look, I I gave I watched a few episodes of Batwoman. Um, it wasn't a great show. I don't think she was particularly the reason it wasn't a great show. But yeah, other people did like it, so I don't know. I don't know. I think that the future of the Arrowverse is looking in great jeopardy at the moment with um their flagship show finished um their supposed new flagship show on the rocks um and a lot of the other shows just not really holding holding a lot of people's attention it seems certainly on mine i mean i know yeah. they've got the new superman show coming out um that's argue if arguably if that fails uh, i'd say that's curtains for the arrowverse but yeah we'll see yeah it's it, i think the rest of them are sort of floundering and i think they've got an audience you know some of them have and, you know, like in America, there's certain demographics probably watch Legends of Tomorrow and watch uh, Supergirl and watch Thiggy. So I think maybe there's enough interest for the CW to keep them going just to, to hit those those target groups. Um, yeah. But I don't think it's kind of, you know, like when Flash and Arrow started, they were both just hitting, well, they were based, both targeted at us, basically. <laughs> and now they've yeah, gone yeah. for everyone else. Uh, you kind of, yeah. And I don't think... Like you say, Ruby Rose probably wasn't the problem with uh, Bat Batwoman. Batwoman was just not very well executed. Um, yeah, so. I think everyone just Batman show. You know, we, we've beaten around the bush so many times now. You know, we had Gotham, which was a Batman prequel. You know, yeah. we had Batwoman, which was Batman sequel, arguably, given Batman's dead or whatever. Um, you know, we've now got Harley Quinn animated series, which I like and you don't. Um, but again, that's kind of a Jace, Batman adjacent rather than Batman itself. Come on, guys, just give us the Batman series. Exactly. You're giving, us the, you're giving us the Superman series. Just give us the Batman series. I know they would have a full house. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I think it's just yeah, it's just frustrating. And I think you know all they had to do was just rather than oh, Batman's mysteriously disappeared. So basically, all people watch an episode of Batwoman before is to find out what happened to Batman. Like people like yeah. us. So what happened to Batman? What happened to Batman? All oh, right, okay. I don't need to watch it anymore. It's kind of, you know, yeah. Supergirl, it's just like, right, seen Superman, he's actually better than you, uh, you know, acting-wise yeah. and charisma-wise and anything like that. So it can't be bothered with us anymore. So, yeah. But I think, um, what's his face? Uh, oh, the guy from Supernatural, Jensen Ackles. He'd make a good Batman. Yeah, I never really watched Supernatural. Which, what, is he one of the two brothers, presumably? Yeah, so he's the shorter one. Not, um, not oh, okay, the, the dark head. The one with the short hair. Not the long hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. so I think he'd be quite good as I think. Um, but anyway, that's that's another podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Shall we um, call this one um, 
to an extra yeah, place. It's uh, t- time to prorogue this bad boy. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not too sure what the next um, film will be, but thanks for listening, everyone. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, stay alert, stay safe, whatever it is. Um, and <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, thanks, Stu. And um, uh, yeah, join, join us next time on the next episode of Geek Bites. You have failed this podcast.